to the Clean Comedy Time Podcast. I'm Aaron Sorrells. And I'm Brian Atkinson. Today, our guest is June Colson. June Colson was born in Indiana, but makes her home in beautiful Bowling Green, Kentucky. And she was here for a live show event in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we are delighted to talk to her today about the good, the bad, and the funny. Boys were different from the start. They were actually born four years apart from each other, and they were both 10-pound babies. I know. I honestly thought that's what they meant by a man trapped in a woman's body, you know? <laughs> oh, June Colson, it is so delightful to have you here. June, absolute pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Welcome. So, yeah, I'm thrilled to death to be here with you guys. And actually, like... In the room doing this, and not on a telephone call or Zoom. Like it's I, weird. I see your faces. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. weird, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's it's you know it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's not it's, it's not for refining. <laughs> you can, you can turn the other way. It kind of freaks me out a little bit. Yeah. I just hide behind the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really is. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Oh, we're so glad you could uh, join us. Uh, thank you for making the distance drive to beautiful Grand Rapids, Michigan, yeah. for a church show last night. And uh, where we did have a heckler, so you could tell, yes. you know, it, they, they had to say it that way. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been a church show. But uh, June Colson, you are the 2020 Clean Comedy Challenge champion that was in Nashville last summer. Yeah. Was that yeah. fun? It was a, an extremely wild experience. I'll tell you that. Because it was, it was pretty much at the heart of, of the pandemic where everyone was shutting down and a mask were on and um and it was really down kind of to the last second of are, are we are they going to do this are they you know are, are we going to be able to put the show on and the venue was they they were amazing um leslie norris townsend joe be sad they they just put together the best thing that they could possibly put together in that environment so i was definitely blessed by it for sure i mean i came out with a a trophy i won comics comic a little cash money in my pocket Woo! so yeah yeah, yeah. It, was yeah. A, it was a good time i am going there uh this july so i'll i'll be there uh with uh leslie norris townsend and a number of other funny people who will yeah. be there but i'm looking forward to that at gutty's and you're on your way to gutty's uh, as soon as we uh, wrap this uh, recording i sure am yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna bounce over there i'm gonna pick up the uh, amazing ronda cory of mm -hmm. ronda cory comedy well, she was cheap. on our last episode. That's right. Yeah, That's right. yeah. So uh, I'm gonna gonna pick her up and do a, a quick guest set. Um, she's featuring uh, Hoss Ridgeway is gonna be the the headliner tomorrow night, and both of them are, are really close friends of mine. Hoss and I actually went to middle school together. And we're bullied by the same bullies. And <laughs> he moved away and, and got into comedy, you know, years later. And so when God called me into comedy, I ended up back with my friend Hoss doing shows <laughs> together and pretty wild, a, a real full circle. That's a that's a me. neat bond when you've both been bullied by the oh, same Oh yeah, people. exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> and it really says something about Bowling Green, Kentucky and and just, you know, anything south of the Mason Dixon line in general that you you know a person named Hoss. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds like our class mascot should have been like the Bowling Green bullies. That's what we were. But, but no, so yeah, that's how we head the gutties. You're gonna love it there. Uh, uh Dennis Tooley and Steve Rivera is oh, they're great. Uh, awesome people, yeah. It's it's going to be, and, and Leslie and them, they just put on an, an amazing event. And it's also kind of a, a learning experience as well because they do these workshops and you have these veterans and 
writers and, um, you know, people that just kind of invest in the comics that are there. So regardless of where you place at the end, uh, you learn something, you form bonds with the other comedians. I, I just, I recommend it to everybody. I had such a great awesome. time. Yeah. Oh, so, so Brian, what a yeah. leg up for you competing this year to have the opportunity to pick the brain of the past champion. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, June's comedy and mine are a little different. Maybe. Just yeah. a little. Although Maybe they're... in vocal pitch. I... Yeah, there's that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I you know, I was going to say that sometimes uh, mine uh, leans to the dark, but, but I've heard some of June's comic, comedy go a little dark, too, so that's just fine. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned being bullied and you mentioned God calling you into comedy. Yeah. So I don't know if the two were related, but let's let's do the question. So how did you find yourself at the point of, I know, I feel, I'm sure God is calling me to comedy. And how did that process start for you? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it, it honestly was a, a Holy Spirit moment. I was in church. Um, nothing was happening. There was not like some fantastic song playing. I literally was just sitting down in the pew. I'd always sit down in, put my purse down, put my Bible in the back of the pew. And, and when I sat down, I, I, I literally physically felt the Holy Spirit. And I just heard the words, I want you to write. And that was it. That's all I heard. But I, I, I suddenly like felt that I had tears wow. going down my face. And I thought, what, you know, what just happened? And and my whole life, I've had this, uh, you know, relationship with Christ. I grew up in a house that, you know, low-income housing, government housing, alcoholic dad, a mom with, you know, whose mom was bipolar, and mom had all of those tendencies. And, and um, I, I, you know, I kind of had moments in my life where I thought, well, God's not even here. He doesn't even care about me. And, and at this point, I really started to develop a relationship w- with Christ and, and truly had a relationship for the first time in my life. So I'd never experienced, I'd experienced him talking to me and, you know, not the audible voice, but that Good. like I'm asking questions and I'm saying things and, and he's answering me in the way that he can. But I had never had like physically shaken by something. And, and I remember just having to get up and I walked out of the church and I, I went to the back. And by the time I got home, my husband's like, what, what is the deal? Like, what's going on with you? And I told him, I was like, and he said, well, what did he say? And I said, <laughs> he said to write. And he's like, I'd suggest you start writing, yeah. right? But I was like, what? What am I supposed to write? I didn't know. And, and I went back and forth in prayer. And, and literally, I was driving down the road one day. And um, I just had this kind of funny moment and kind of laughing with God. And then he went, it's comedy, June. Mm-hmm. Like, you know it is. That's what I want you to do. Yeah, and that's the difference between you and Moses. Moses got the call to write. Here are the stone tablets <laughs> yes. already etched. Here's the starting point. Yeah, you got comedy. He got yes. commandments. Okay, I got it. Yeah, well, and I tell you what was funny is, I, so I, I, I literally now I'm having this like kind of excited moment, but then I'm imagining. Like, what What does this look like? Are you saying, like, a stand-up comedian? That can't be what you mean. Like, God, that's not what you mean at all. And and, and I did have that moment where I was like, if that's what you're saying, I, I really am going to need a sign on this one. And I got to the intersection. I was headed to work. I got to the intersection. And I started to go through the intersection. I had the green light. And I look up, and this truck was plowing towards me. And I hit the brakes, and it made it around me without hitting me. And that is the very last time I have asked for a sign for anything. <laughs> I was like, I get it. I got it. I get it. You know? But then from there, like, God started putting people in my path. Uh, he he had somebody from the CCA basically reach out to me. And I didn't even know what the Christian Comedy Association was. The next thing I know, I'm in Nashville at a conference. 
And by the next year, he was like, okay, no more baby steps. I need you to take that leap of faith and, and get on stage. And so... So that's how it began for me. It's a very, you know, it's not like most people are like, I was the class. I mean, I was the class clown. I always used humor to, to kind of diffuse things in mm-hmm. my home when I was a kid. You could, I saw my dad do it. He's super funny. And so I had that kind of skill set. And it's funny. I tell people, you know, people go, what, what am I supposed to do? What was that? You know, God, what do you want me to do? And the more I look back, the more I see that the whole time he was grooming me for this moment. The fact that I am a chatty Cathy, that I talk too much, that I am goofy and that I've had, you know, all these unique and weird experiences, that it just makes sense that that's the path that God eventually put me on. But it seems so out of the box sure. and bizarre at the moment, you know? Prepared for such a time as this, if yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Uh, but uh, you pull a lot of comedy from uh, from all kinds of places as well. For example, your family. So I know I'm not the first to give birth to 10 pounds worth of baby, right? But most women get two babies for that. <laughs> I think I was pregnant with twins and one just swallowed the other one. <laughs> Um, yeah, and you don't uh, you don't have ten pound babies without getting pretty big yourself. So with my first son, I gained eighty pounds. <laughs> yeah, eighty pounds. In the South, women were like, "Oh my gosh, Jim, did you have them gestational diabetes?" <laughs> I know I had them gestational hot dogs and hamburgers, pickles, pizza, ice cream. I weighed eighty pounds more, right? I didn't want a ten pound baby. I wanted to give birth to like a forty pound toddler. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great to listen to that because last night, of course, I heard you do that that bit live. Yes, and it crushed. It crushed. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, they were awesome. That audience. Well, in West Michigan, uh, relating to giving birth to ten pound babies, it's pretty common. Actually, totally. Yeah, like yeah. Welcome, welcome to our club. <laughs> we have the twelve pounders over here. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. the most of the kids in West Michigan are are uh, compared to bowling balls rather than yeah. uh, toddlers and things. Wow. Yeah. Uh, as uh, you did that, now I understand uh, your husband has just retired from the fire department. Is he that has. right? Yes. Yeah. What a blessing. Twenty. Well, he's been a professional fireman for over twenty eight years. He spent the last year as the uh, fire chief of the third largest city in the state of Kentucky. Wow. And, and it's been uh, it's been an interesting ride. I can tell you, it's definitely. Um, living in a fishbowl, you know, when your husband is in that position oh, sure. in the city. Yeah, your your whole family's kind of in that. And, and I'm just so proud of the, the work that he did and the uh, challenges that he faced. And, and just the fact that the Lord has brought him home after 28 years of fighting fires and being in dangerous situations and, and witnessing things that, you know, most people could never imagine and now he has the opportunity to you know start that next phase of his life and and he's coming home like every day oh, so, so that's weird yeah, yeah. Pray for me. we're getting all kinds of quality yeah. time right yeah. now, so. well well welcome to what we've all been experiencing in the pandemic as well yeah, suddenly yeah. we're spending time together yes yeah yeah, uh, I had a, a little experience where last night uh, for our show, this was kind of the first time I'd been out for a night mm. in 14 months, really. And I did a, an open mic night on Wednesday and a birthday party earlier that night. And so I had that kind of like prep for it yeah. and then do the show. And uh, and then everybody's like, oh, what's next? What's next? And I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to spend some time <laughs> at home with my wife now. Yeah. We're going to watch Cubs game and uh, call it a weekend. Uh, but we, I think we really found, and Aaron and I have talked about this as well, is that all the time we spent doing out doing things and so on, a lot of that time has been replaced by really good things. Yes. And so yeah. on. So 
we have been asking uh, every comic this along the way. Um, what are the things that you've started doing or stopped doing, or what are the things that have been uh, a bit of a life change for you uh, during this time, yeah. and how has that influenced your comedy? Oh, wow, yeah. So uh, so during this time, so I started writing a book. So one of the first things that, you know, when God said write, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it's a, yeah, I'll write a book. And so... I started working on that, and then it became clear, you know, I needed to to do this material for comedy, and so then I I went, okay, I'm I'm gonna finish, you know, I'm gonna finish this book, and so I I literally would write a chapter and then I would read it out loud mm-hmm. into my phone, and then I would go back and listen to it and kind of see what it was. So I spent a lot of time uh, in these childhood stories in my head of like I spent a lot of time with Little Junebug in the town of Shirley, Indiana, and and learning about. Uh, myself and my parents and what this process, uh, you know, uh, has brought me to and, and through and those kind of things. So that's been really, uh, that's been really interesting. I, I'm actually kind of uh, in a rewrite of it right now, but I had that and, and then I've just developed some amazing relationships with comedians all over the country because I've been writing with people in a group called Write 10 that I do um, every, almost every single morning. And these are comedians all over the country. That all over I, the world even, right? Yeah, even all over the world. I mean, I've done uh, I've done open mics online with people in India and Russia and, uh, you know, in the United States. And it's, yeah, it's been pretty wild. And then on Mondays, I write with um, a couple of comedians, too, from Arizona. And then my friend Rhonda from Rhode Island. And, and the female comedians we've kind of really drawn to each other as well. And I, I mean, we literally had like a Christmas wrapping party on zoom <laughs> just to not be alone. It was, uh, I think it was Marlo Rutz and Rhonda and myself, Michelle Van Dusen. And um, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, but I wasn't one that had really strong female bonds because uh, as women growing up, uh, a lot of us have the experience of basically being pitted against each other and you're mm. competing for the guy's attention and who's the prettiest in the room and you can't trust each other because I mean fortunately for me I never had a guy take my boyfriend but a girl always <laughs> did right? sure right? sure I've been on the other side of that yeah. equation before so that's no fun I can tell you yeah and so I never really was close to a lot of a lot of women and like through this process God's um just kind of opened my heart to he's like how are you going to serve all of my people if you're intimidated by the women in, you know, in the family of God, like, how are you going to be there for them? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so that's, been a, that's been an amazing experience. I, I'm closer now to people that I, I don't even, you know, live anywhere near because mm-hmm. of the time that we've spent at home. Absolutely. Yeah. And then of course you have your teenagers at home. Mm-hmm. If you have teenagers, you know, they, they really don't do a whole lot. Um, with my boys, I've noticed all they do is eat and they sleep and they grow my boys have gotten so big now, y'all, I cannot break them up when they get in a fight. But I figured out if you can't beat them, you just tase them. <laughs> y'all, you only have to do it once, okay? Right. Uh, I am so glad my parents didn't have a taser when I was growing <laughs> Yes. Well, and I feel like I missed some good tasing opportunities. Oh, certainly. Oh. Yeah, your kids are out of the house now. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. now it'd just be weird. Yeah. Ding dong. Hey, Dad, thanks for coming over for now. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. I owed you that. <laughs> 
Oh, man. And so uh, uh, both boys. Yes. Yeah. And how old are they now? So now uh, my oldest is 21, just mm-hmm. graduated from college uh-huh. and uh, going back for his master's. He graduated with an accounting degree. So Woo! that's that's pretty nice. exciting. Yeah. yeah. And then. Stability. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then my youngest son is the one that I, I talk about quite a bit who went to the ER 13 times mm. before he was 12 years old. Quality. And um, he's, uh, he's about to wrap up his junior year. So he's a football player. He's about six. Six, three and a half, oh, super yeah. long hair, oh, just, yeah. you know, the dude, like the flexing in the mirror guy, <laughs> like that guy. But he's, oh my gosh, he's so much fun. He's, I mean, he's the manly dude in the house. I t- my oldest son, not as if he isn't, but he is kind of more the brains and my sensitive child. My youngest son is like, give me the chainsaw, let's go kill the deer, you know? So I told my kid during this pandemic, yeah. I was like, boys, if I have to pick one, <laughs> Ty, honey, mommy's going to miss you. Because <laughs> your brother can gut a deer, he can catch a fish, and he can, you know, so. You are the weakest link. Yeah. Well, to go, brother. besides, yeah, when it comes to eating, he that older one, he's more tender and uh, softer yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I feel yeah. like, yeah, I feel like. <laughs> Thanks to that. <laughs> they, do they listen to your podcast appearances? Cause oh, no, no. I'd no. hate for you to lose the element of surprise. If... Right, right. Yeah. No, they don't. Yeah. No, everything I do is super uncool right now. No, I think pretty much uh, their whole life, everything I do. I'm the only girl in the house. We have boy dogs. Yeah. You know, my husband's a fireman, so mm. he's always got the fire dudes, you know. Yeah. And then there's me. Right. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, a few more years when the prefrontal cortex completely forms, they will be much more appreciative of you and all I that hope, you do. It's I just hope a matter of time. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> well, the time has come on our little podcast to take a break, but we'll be right back. Be sure to give us a review on Apple Podcasts so it's easier for people to find us and like us on all your podcast favorites. We'll be right back. This pandemic has been tough for everybody, including those of us who love live comedy. And while COVID-19 is still an unpleasant reality, vaccinations and your efforts have once again made it possible for us to gather together and laugh together. We had a blast at our first show back, and we are eager to continue laughing with you. Check out cleancomedytime.com to find upcoming shows or contact us to bring a Clean Comedy Time show to your local comedy club, church, corporate event, or fundraiser. We'll see you soon, and please get vaccinated. Uh, not used to actually having people in the room and see my <laughs> funny dancing like that. I think I, I played like a, a flute, and that's not a flute. It is not. No, there's a baritone sax, bass sax, uh, trumpets. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, sorry you two had to witness that. No, it's like we've been doing our show remotely for so long, I didn't even know about the dancing. I dance, it was fantastic. Yeah, I I should have remembered to put pants on. (laughs) We're we're really thankful that uh, the the table that we're behind is uh, covering that. So thanks. Full full disclosure, I have pants on. Yeah, sure. The listeners indoor pants though. Come on, indoor pants. Yeah. Yeah. So June, uh, uh, welcome back from the break. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, for sharing in the first half there. Sounds like you've got a lot of transitions going on, a lot mm-hmm. of things happening. Uh, what's something in, uh, specifically that's going well for you right now? 
Um, well, I tell you, I, I think what's going well for sure is uh, Michelle Van Dusen and I have started a podcast. Um, it is nowhere near as technically savvy as what you guys have going on. <laughs> Literally, so our friend Joel Byers from the Hot Breath Comedy Network uh, reached out to us and, and wanted us to have something kind of under the umbrella of the Hot Breath Network. Awesome. And, um, and he wanted something clean and he wanted something, you know, a little bit different uh, than what a lot of, you know, his guests and, and things like that have going on. And so that was really awesome. But we were like, we have zero technology skills. <laughs> and it's been, um, it's been interesting. Like, you guys have this amazing setup and I have like Dollar Tree earbuds. And I think our third episode may or may not have volume. I, if, as if that's <laughs> sure. necessary on a podcast. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> people it helps get that it. I have my own voiceover over recording studio yes. that I'm just moving around from yeah. place to place. So yeah. it's right. We're yeah, we're definitely uh, how not to do it. But what I found is that like the interviews are great. Yeah. They've been so much fun and we've got to interview um, you know, some uh, some awesome people. But for me it's been more about the after the interview. Yeah. And the conversations that we get to have with people and then sometimes there's just something that they need prayer for and um and I I'm kind of the layman's term person. I'm not a, you know, I tell people I'm not a biblical scholar. I mean, I I know the Lord and I know what he's done for me and I love him. Um, but I can't quote a bunch of verses from the Bible and like, I know what I'm trying to say. And Michelle Van Dusen actually knows the verses in the Bible. <laughs> it sounds like you two make a pretty good team. It is. It's so good. And so a lot of times, you know, uh, I'm able to pray and she's able to add scripture to kind of what, you know, what that person's going through or whatever. And so it, it's just been uh, really cool. It's been a cool setup to be able to spend time with people, not just in the interview, but afterwards and really getting to know people's hearts and, and uh, and kind of feel like we're we're there for them and there for us. So yeah, I feel like that's that's going great for that's, sure. Yeah, that's great. Now you mentioned Joel Byers. I know actually he came up in the first one too with the Right Ten yeah. Club. What what role has he played in? Oh, wow. So um, I had listened to Joel on Rick Roberts' podcast uh -huh. um, and uh, The School of Laughs with Rick Roberts. I had listened to him, and uh, one morning I woke up, and on Facebook, right as the pandemic started, he was on at 10 o'clock in the morning, and he was like, hey, guys, I don't, I don't know how long this thing's going to last, but I think until we're able to get out again, let's just write. Let's take 10 minutes every day. I'm going to throw a random word up, just write one joke, 10 minutes every day. And, you know, he thought that would maybe be a few weeks, right? Yeah. Here we are the, all these days later. And um, he had just kind of created this really positive environment. There was, a, at the time, I think 10 people on there. Within a month, there was like 25. And then now there's, there's hundreds of people who uh, follow it and probably at least 90 every morning that are on there listening and writing jokes. And, and so then we just kind of forged a friendship and conversations through, you know, Facebook and that type of thing. I did some of his writing competitions and... Um, and yeah, so he just provided this really incentive to, to get up and, and not be dormant. And I learned a little bit better how to write a one-liner because every day they do a meme of whoever wins the joke of the day. And it's really lighthearted and positive, but I'm a storyteller. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so it helped me to just kind of develop a little more one-line jokes. Yeah, it's super fun. Well, hearing you talk about that group and hearing you talk about Michelle mm -hmm. and uh, these connections that you've made, it sounds like a community or that sense of connection is real important to you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that a lot of times comedy can be a, a bit of a lonely journey. Mm -hmm. You know, I was finding that out yeah. early on. Um, but you know, God makes a promise and he told me to go do it. And I said, I don't know how to do this. How am I going to, I don't know anybody who does it. And, and he, you know, promised to provide me people and he's done that. Even yesterday, 
uh, when I was driving here, um, there's an app, Marco Polo, and uh, it's a little video clips that you can send back and forth to each other. And Rhonda, Corey, and I are basically addicted to it. And we constantly <laughs> send each other videos. And yesterday I was sending her a video and saying, how cool is this that I'm, I'm driving this, you know, four hours or whatever I drove yesterday. And I can feel really alone yeah. on the road right now. But and, and I'm imagining her, she was getting on a plane to fly, you know, from Rhode Island to Indiana. And I'm like, we're not by ourselves. Like, I'm super excited thinking about she's she's in the air right now. I'm on the road tomorrow. We're going to share a hotel room and hang out. And um, yeah, it's just been, you know, traveling this, opposite directions, yeah. but traveling together. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, and I do think community is it's extremely important. Plus, for somebody like me who started later in life, I, I needed, you know, wise people around me. Um, like Robert G. Lee has been a huge mentor of mine, mm-hmm. uh, amazing friend and somebody who'll just shoot you straight, you know, right, be, having boys and being around men my whole life. I'm not super sensitive about stuff. Rick Roberts, one time, a, a piece of advice he gave was, you know, t- to treat your material like, uh, like a frog and not like a baby. Okay. <laughs> because if somebody starts dissecting your baby, <laughs> right, it's not, it's pretty ugly. Yeah. But I, yeah, I learned early on that like this is you know this is material. It's a frog, uh-huh. and I'm gonna let you know Robert or Rhonda or you know Aaron, whoever, hey, take a look at this, and uh-huh. they can pull it apart, look at it, and and you know help me make it a little bit better. Well, and that's one thing I know I've noticed from watching you in your comedy journey. You've you've uh, attracted some incredible uh, mentors. You've had some yeah. people that are uh, pouring into you and and helping you hone your craft. That's that's just an amazing group of people, and I really think that. The reason you've been able to attract those mentors is just your genuine heart and your spirit towards helping people through comedy. You know, when people see that, it's 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 not the June Golson show. It's yeah. you doing you to honor God. It's yeah. you doing you to connect with people, to build community, and uh, just help people. Yeah, I think that's just incredible, June. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate it, man. Well, I tell you, it definitely was a... Um... You know, you, you spend a lot of time going, God, did I really hear you? Like, for sure? Are we for sure? And he would continually give me these signs and stuff. And then, you know, I don't know who the best of the best and who the important people are when they walk in the room. And, and But God would continually, like, put people in my path that clearly were accomplished and wise. Yeah, but that's, and... a, that's kind of what I'm talking about. That's a wonderful thing to be blind mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Because the people that are, you know, the people that walk into a room and everybody pays attention to them, because they've got something that other people can get from them. Yeah. You know, yeah. if those those folks, if they meet someone like you, just genuine and wanting to connect with them, they see that and they, they yearn for that. They miss that because everybody's mm-hmm. got an agenda. Everybody wants something. Uh, so I think that that too, again, it's that it's that genuine heart. I appreciate that. I tell you, I don't know that they all know how to take it. Because uh, yeah, I won't say the specific name, but there was somebody who was extremely prominent. And I'm just having like a random bathroom conversation with this person. Like every, <laughs> you know, I talked to everybody. <laughs> we were in the bathroom washing our hands. I'm just having a conversation. And I get this like, what do you want from me? <laughs> you know, kind of look from the face. And I was like, oh, wait, this is, I guess this is somebody. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then yeah. later on, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was somebody too. But I feel in my life, I've noticed that everybody has their somebody. You know, yeah. my my kid's super into sports. We took him to, uh, we took him to Las Vegas to the NBA games and you know, those kind of things. And it, like every other dude that walked, he's like, that's so-and-so. And he plays for so-and-so. And, you know, I didn't know who that person is. Or my dad's NASCAR. If a NASCAR driver walked in right now, I, you know, I wouldn't know who it is. But every everybody has their their people, 
you know, yeah. in their group. And I've just always been kind of blind to the people. People are people. That's all I know. I'm like, <laughs> he's a people, you're a people, we're all people. <laughs> I think you can spot the NASCAR people by all the labels they have yeah, all over themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eventually, you've noticed that. Yeah, okay. The stickers all over their cars. Sure. Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> Well, wow, certainly good things are happening, and I can see that uh, uh, just from watching your your progress and then also, of course, uh, hearing you talk about it. What's something that you're struggling with, June? Oh, goodness, man, there's always struggles, isn't there? Um, Struggles. I'll tell you, uh, one thing I'm definitely struggling with is um, the rewrite of my book. So I started this book, and I thought it was done, and in October... I, I I say I thought it was done, but I know better. I knew in the back of my mind that like something's not right. You know what I mean? There's just something that's not right. Um, but it was it was finished, and I sent it out to a few people. And fortunately, I have uh, a friend who's very close to me and knows my story. And he messaged me right back, and he goes, "Yeah, no, Uh-oh. no, this is not your story. Like this is your story, but the this isn't you. You know the overall theme of who you are, and." Uh, and also, he was like, Anna gave me whiplash because it was like young June, old June, Indiana June, Kentucky June, 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 you know, and it was like, where, where is she at? And, um, and I was like, oh, you're right. I mean, you're right. You're right. Well, I heard a wise woman once say, uh, treat your work like a frog, not a baby. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and I was so glad that this person is someone that I can trust and that was able to just say, here's what's happening. Okay. You know, you went straight into kind of preaching and you, you know, went into this church hurt and all of these things. And that's, that's not who you are, Mm -hmm. you know, and I thought, I thought that was the way I was supposed to approach it. But then after, um, you know, when I, when I went to that CCA in, uh, Texas, Uh you and I had lunch, um, together and, uh, one of our mentors basically pointed out to me that I needed to stop and really think about like, what, what is this message that God has me to send? Right. And, and very quickly within hours, I had this moment with God where he was like, it's forgiveness. June, this mm. it's forgiveness. That's what you should be sharing. And this book's overall theme was not forgiveness. And that's why there was this disconnect. This is why there was, I was like, I don't wow. feel confident sending this out. Wow. And so I literally started rewriting, and I um, I have a sister, uh, a new sister in Indiana. Her name is Leslie, and uh, we just found out about her, like, mm. in the last year and a half. Yeah, and, now you got to explain that a little yes, bit. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so, you know, I got a daddy named Hot Dog, and uh, some of my cousins did the DNA testing, and eventually it pointed back to the fact that there was a daughter that he had, and... Um, and our family's basically connected with one another and we got to meet her and she's forming this relationship with my dad, which is beautiful. And, um, so now, you know, now we're family. Yeah. And, um, which, which again, I mean, that just speaks to who you are. Uh, yeah. something like that could have gone a number of different directions, but you lean into that, lean into oh, a relationship, lean into community. And uh, such a, she's such a blessing. Yeah. I mean, well, right now I'm wearing a bracelet that she gave me that says Ohana. And if you uh, watch Lilo and Stitch, Ohana means family. The line of the movie yeah. is family means no one's left behind. Yeah. And she bought one for myself and, and my brother and my sister. And um, and so now my book, it was like, okay, here's my whole life. I'd written in this kind of book. And she's not in it because she wasn't there when I started writing the book. And now God's like, no, we're going to start with her. Wow. Because the wow. theme of my life has been forgiveness. You know, mm-hmm. having a dad with alcoholism and having a mom that was 
you know, aggressive and abusive when we were younger and those kind of things. I, I have this amazing relationship with my parents. They haven't changed. Uh-huh. My dad's still an alcoholic. My mom still struggles, you know, with all kinds of things. But I have this forgiveness um, that has changed the relationship that I can have with them. And so now that I started rewriting the book and the book starts with my dad in the driveway, hugging this redheaded woman. Who is she? Where did she come from? You know, and, and literally right away, my little brother, when my dad came, he came into the the room on his birthday. We were having a party for him and he just walks in and he's like, uh, so, uh, your cousins did something called 23 and me. And you got a sister. She wants to meet you. I feel sick. I'm laying down. Oh. <laughs> we're like, wait, what? <laughs> then he asked me, he's like, what, do you know what 23 and me means? And I was like, yeah, dad, it means there's 22 more out there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which was not a good time for a joke. No, but no. How, you know, it's always we... a good time for a joke. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell you, when you ask what the struggle is, because that's obviously not a struggle. She's, it's, it's been amazing, this relationship that we had with her, but... I've now having to take this book and dissect it. And I really do have issues with attention and focus and, and the idea of pulling everything apart. So every time I sit down and I'm like, God, clear my mind, let me see what I'm supposed to do. You know, I, I I freeze up. It's too much, you know, it's just too much to pull this whole thing apart and try and put it back together Mm -hmm. and, and I'll start and, and lock up. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a big struggle for me right now. It's just getting my head wrapped around it, having the confidence that it's, um, it's complicated, but not complex. Yeah. I had a Uh friend tell me that this is complicated. It's not complex. So I'm trying to, you know, to trust that God will help me just get that done. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, has to be an incredibly difficult thing to deal with. I mean, mm. taking on the project of writing a book, pouring into this book yourself and reliving a lot of those things and mm. then getting it to the point of completion. Yeah. And then realizing that what needs to happen is you need to take it apart. Yeah. And and take a new fresh look. I mean, that's that's really hard. Yeah. That's that's uh and it goes against everything that, you know, we're taught and, right. and, and shown, you know, it's about accomplishment. It's mm-hmm. about achievement. It's about completion. And then to take the steps back and say, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. That's, that, I, that was I really, I wanted them to go, this is fabulous. Get it to the press right now. Everybody has to have a copy of this book. But yeah. it was not, but, but you know what I have is I've had this moment where like, I know God has me writing it for a reason. Mm-hmm. I know that there's somebody who's going to be touched by this. It's going to mean something to them. So like the other day when I sat down and I just had this, like, oh, I can't do it. You know, the Holy spirit was like, but he's worth it. And she's worth it. Yeah. Whoever yeah. that person is, what you're suffering through, like the struggle you're having right now is worth it for that person that's going to touch, you know, so just calm down and yeah. do it for them, you know. And so. that, that sense of contentment, you know, that that you don't you don't need to finish this to accomplish it for your own self-worth, you know. Right. You, right. You're, you're content with who you are. You're content with where you're at. That opens up the ability to... Uh, to take a step back and and say, okay, I am going to do this a little bit differently. That's that's great. I I, mm-hmm. I commend you for that. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I would say the other struggle is you and I talked about this yesterday. Getting back into comedy, <laughs> a live shows, it's it's like starting all over again. You mm-hmm. know, I, t- I told Brian, I told Aaron yesterday. I said, you know, I was like, man, Lord, if I knew that that was going to be my last comedy show, yeah. I would have gone on stage with excitement and fearless and let's go. I would have so much fun. 
And, you know, if I get to do that again, man, that's what I want to do. I want to be just, I want to go have a great time. And then the Lord was like, I want you to go. And I went, I'm scared. <laughs> Wait, this is scary again. You know, I was real pumped up before he, like, opened it back up again. Mm-hmm. Right? And said, okay, go for it. And I was like, but I don't want to go. Are you sure? So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, you fast or rewind back to pre-pandemic. And, yeah, it it can happen to where we start going through the mechanical motions of doing comedy and not being in the moment and experiencing it. And then, of course, to look back on that, it's like, oh, why didn't I just just experience it? Just be there and connect with people. And last night, last night was the, I've done maybe, I've been on stage maybe five times since Mm. it's been okay. And last night was the first time that I felt like, I could look out into the audience and connect and talk and groove and, you know, uh, and I mean, and I fumbled through things terribly a couple of points in there. You know, I I started talking about my mission of of comedy and I I completely misstated it. And then then halfway, I heard it and I was like. Aaron, what are you doing? <laughs> and then he corrected himself, and it was fine. You, you recovered well, well because you I, come from a recovery it, background. Hell, hell, yeah. <laughs> but it, as I misstated that, it crossed my mind. I haven't said this out loud in a year and a half. <laughs> like, it's, it, it, was, it was crazy. But, uh, again, to push that aside and to recognize that, you know, people aren't looking at me with the same judgment that I'm looking at myself. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's much better to completely fumble through something and actually have a look and a, and a genuine connection with somebody. Right. So that's, um, you know, I guess that's all to say, man, I feel you. This is hard mm. getting back into comedy, re-confronting that fear. Yes. Oh, that fear of rejection. But then to experience... A whole room full of people laughing together. Oh, it was awesome. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's lovely. Such a good show. I found myself thinking as you were talking about, you know, if this had been my last show, and I was just thinking about the last show I did mm. before lockdown. And so we had Laugh Fest here in, in Grand Rapids, and it closed down just a couple of days before it was officially supposed to. Uh, and people got off planes that morning and found out the show had been canceled and all kinds of stuff like that. I felt so bad for them. I did a, a Thursday night show as part of Laugh Fest, and then Friday did a, an, another show somewhere else. But the NBA had been closed, everything else had been mm, locked down, yeah. and myself and everyone, we were all in that very tentative, we don't know what's going on, what's happening, yeah. bumping elbows and all that yes. kind of stuff, <laughs> trying to figure that stuff out. And we all were on the stage with this tentativeness and just uncertainty. Mm. And that's one of the things that for me was like, I'm not going to be ready to get back on stage until I have a confidence in the room and the confidence in the other people who are there Mm. and so on. Mm. And just over the last few weeks, that has become, you know, the vaccinations help and all the other steps that have been going on all this time to bring us to this point where we can go there now. And, and I, for me, day one, first day on stage, I was like, that was a much better set than I did 16 months ago. Oh, wow. yeah, 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 that yeah. last show, so yeah, much that. better, so much more um, free and and giving it everything I had. Uh, and not just because it was like, oh, it's my first show back. I got to do this. Like, I'm doing five minutes. It was, right. it was really just, I'm 
I'm not feeling that tentativeness again, anymore mm. and, uh, that I did that one time. Yeah, it just felt great. Well, Drew, you, you, boy, you struck a nerve yeah. <laughs> with us. And right. I think, you know, a lot of the people that listen to this are comedians and they're yeah. all, yeah. Or we're all dealing with the same thing. So yeah. thank you yeah. for bringing that up and yeah. being transparent about the struggle. Because yeah. clearly, I mean, both yeah. Brian never me opens up. Yeah, Brian, <laughs> I like just he, have that effect. I don't know if you can see, but he's crying right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not unusual, but it's usually at the Hallmark Channel. So. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the sensitive one. But it's, it's for real, though, because we, we pour our heart and soul and, into this. And, and, and our material is personal. And, you know, yeah. there's so much to it. And then to have it all in so abruptly and all the uncertainties and man what a blessing to have last night yeah last night was awesome. oh yeah you know the one of the differences for me last night versus some of the other times that i've been on stage um last night is the first time that i didn't reference the shutdown yeah, yeah. or any of that whatsoever i just jumped into mm-hmm. you know let's let's laugh you know i didn't talk about yeah that and and that was better you know yeah. so to comics listening what what changed it for me was not doing COVID related right, comedy. Right. You know? Yeah, and I get. I mean, a lot of people yeah. are doing that and and that kind of thing. But for me, it's the same thing. I don't I don't talk. You know, I don't talk about the pandemic. I don't talk about that type of stuff because I don't. I don't want them to be reminded. The same way, like in commercials, where they have the yep. mask on the people in the commercial. I'm like, I don't want to see it on the commercial. Can we at least yeah. pretend things are normal on television? <laughs> like, why are you doing this to us? So I just, I just don't. I just yeah. don't go there. I, yeah. I, I don't want them to think anything about it. Yeah. So June, uh, you've got some things coming up. I know that you are. As we wrap up our uh, recording today, you're on your yeah. way down to Gutty's. We talked about that earlier. Right? Uh, what is a way that people can find you and get in touch with you if they want to hire June Bug to oh, come to their do is. a show? Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty simple. It's uh, June Colson Comedy on pretty much everything. June Colson Comedy on Facebook, on Instagram. My website is June Colson or June Colson Comedy. Um, they can email me, message me on Facebook. Would be awesome. So yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, again, my pleasure. A, oh, our pleasure entirely. Uh, speak for Aaron. I don't usually, but uh, I, I know that we've been looking forward to this for a long time. We're so glad you're here. Here, here. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. It's It's been awesome. Thanks for listening to the Clean Comedy Time podcast. We bring comedians together performing their clean material at showcases, fundraisers, and other events. Our shows are free from course language and topics. They work for anyone, anywhere. Check out cleancomedytime.com to find an upcoming show or to bring Clean Comedy Time to you. 